0: Today's episode is brought to you by Bet365, who offer a wide range of bets, including first, last or anytime scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With games being played nearly every day, you can use the Bet365 Bet Builder to combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet use bet365 match live features to follow every moment through live graphics and text for a deeper analysis bet365 is the world's favorite online betting company the app can be downloaded from google play and apple app store over 18s only please gamble responsibly <laughs> Hello and welcome to From the Rookery and brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, we are here as a social distance podcast once more. My name is John. With me is Jason. Hello there. And Mike. 25 podcasts we did when there was no football. <laughs> if only this was the 26th,
1: 27th with no football. It was much more fun uh, without any football to talk about, wasn't it? Ha- good evening. Good
0: evening. Uh, We've just watched, um, two of us Watch on the television.
1: endured. Endured. <laughs> this endured. Is we,
0: this is where we're going to go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Watford th- one. Southampton 3. It was live on the television for everybody to see. Hey, fingers crossed, some people were more interested in watching Leicester against Chelsea in the FA Cup and didn't see Watford pretty much put in a performance, Mike, that, you know, we, we know there is no, there, there is no, not going to be a quick end to our relegation battle. Uh, and that was the performance that will not get you out of a relegation battle. The more people that see
1: it, as far as I'm concerned, the better because I think the entire team needs, should be ashamed of themselves um, I've spoken to uh, my son, listeners will know, know Arlo, 8 year old Arlo and my mum um, not, she's older than <laughs> older than 8 uh, they both had one thing in common this afternoon Arlo was in tears when uh, Southampton scored their second uh, and so was my mum in floods of tears just, and not because they're not winning not because Watford aren't going to win the cup not because Watford aren't going to win the Premier League but because they are desperate for this team that we all love to turn it round, to show some spark, to show some sign that we're in with, a, in with a fighting chance. On the pitch, they didn't look like they had any fight, any spark, any fighting chance. And off the pitch, they're shooting themselves in the foot as well. It's quite difficult to hear two generations of your family in tears. Now, you can argue that they need to grow up a bit and they need to be older and wiser and it's a good learning curve for, for Arlo and so on and so forth. They'll get over it. But it shows how much they care. It shows how much we care. We talked about doing, you know, 25 podcasts while there's no football to talk about. Everyone listening to this podcast, downloads it and puts up with me, puts up with all our waffling because they care. They're desperate for this mob to turn it around. On the pitch is one thing. And I think the
0: reason that on, on the pitch started so badly was because of what happened off the pitch. Now, Mike, you were lucky to be at the game today, again, yep. doing your Opta duties. Yeah. Uh, therefore, you would have felt... A little bit uh, seen maybe a little bit more uh, maybe even heard at a distance by a shout what the vibes were around that team today yeah
1: there there was no vibe it was it was flat um, it was dispiriting it was empty it was soulless uh, it was awful I hated every single minute just the whole atmosphere from the minute they kicked off was subdued would be putting it would be putting it mildly um and it it seemed to me and I, I you know you accuse me of over exaggerating if you like maybe maybe I am it felt to me like that side was sulking they wandered around the pitch aimlessly uh, didn't create anything in the slightest you know Southampton played well we always have to caveat this with the fact that teams aren't just going to turn up and roll over because we want Watford to do well Southampton play high up the pitch and it's they're a difficult team to play against they're in, in decent form with players in in good form. But Watford had their chins on their chest, rounded shoulders. They looked like they were sulking. Um, and I think that malaise comes from the last 24 hours. What's happened in the last 24 hours? Um, and we know that the, the squad was uh, shorn of three potential Players,
0: as you're sure you are aware of, the day after Watford lost one nil away at Burnley, it was Andre Gray's birthday, and as you like to do on your birthday, you like to celebrate. Unfortunately, this is a different time, uh, and Andre had a birthday party with over twenty people at his house, uh, and mu- amongst those guests were Domingos Quina and Nathaniel Chalobah, and the line or the description we were we were told that these players weren't part of the squad today because of health and safety so they could be kept separate from the squad if they had been infected by the coronavirus as part of an ongoing disciplinary action so they didn't weren't there no we'll talk to see if we missed them maybe in terms of the game in the second half but <laughs> it was more than that
1: yeah i think so they missed the game now i've got a i've got a problem with this on on a number of levels we need to get this chronology straight of course because Andre Gray was was on the on the Black Lives Matter march that was before football we have before football was back we have to accept that he put himself in a situation there where the risk of transmission or contracting the de- disease was high he was in a high density population with a lot of other people before football was due to come back we have to accept that and we have to say we, where was the uproar then cards on the table, but that was before football We came back. So he knew he was going to be tested before anything happened. He knew he was going to be kept apart. He's done that. Fine. Uh, presumably, he would have told the club about it. There were some professional shots of him there. So it wasn't being done under the table or anything like that. So that happened. Whether or not that was a good idea, just because we believe in that particular movement, is by the by. What happened this weekend is um, is a lot, lot worse than that. For a, for a whole host of reasons. One, um, you probably would have got away with it if you just don't put it
0: on Instagram. That was the silly thing, yeah.
1: So just by putting it on Instagram, that tells me how much you care. So I'm going I'm to go back to my eight-year-old son and my OAP mother, reduced to tears, such is their desperation for this team to do well, and juxtapose that with three youngsters without a care in the world – won't have to work a day. If they're sacked from Watford, for example, and no no suggestion they will, if they are, they wouldn't have to work again for a day in their life. Not only that, but their team is in the midst of an appallingly difficult relegation battle that could have huge ramifications for the club going forward. It will have immediate ramifications for personnel at the club if they do get relegated. And the fact that they couldn't wait to have this party Fine, you, you know, he could argue that the social distancing rules are are so furry that you know he could have misunderstood it. Don't put it on Instagram, mate. Show you care. Show some guts. Show some discipline. Show some fortitude. But they chose not to, and in doing in doing that, those three players showed they don't care. They don't care about me. They don't care about Jace. They don't care about you. They don't care about my mum and my mum, my son. They don't care about Watford because if they did, they wouldn't do that. Um appalled, absolutely appalled, not only but take Watford out of the equation this we're in the middle of a pandemic, a health emergency which has taken people close to people we care about, and so by not only so take all the Watford things out of it, take all the professional side out of it, take how let down we feel about it, what about the health side of things the b a m e community we know is at a higher risk, Dominguez Kena. Nathaniel Chalabar, Andre Gray all fall into that category, yet there they are, partying away. People we know and love and care about have lost people, and here they are on Instagram. It's not their fault they're role models. I don't agree with footballers having to be role models, but there they are. They couldn't keep the phone in their pocket and just get your your party over and done with. They had to share it with the world. And yeah, you could think, well, it's a, a lapse of judgment, but come on. And I find the whole thing distasteful to the extent that I've been unhappy for well, since I find out about it. And this whole thing, this whole day, this whole last forty-eight hours has been awful for me. I found the whole thing. I just want to give up because what's the point? What's the point when when players don't take responsibility? A from a societal point of view. And B, for the, for the club that so many people care about. And you may say I'm going over the top, but I don't care because, you know, we've got a first hand experience of people losing their lives. We, people care about this football club and it's, it feels like it's been thrown back in our faces. And I think there will be people, there'll be players who will feel similar. I suspect the, the staff at Watford will feel badly let down. And it felt to me that, that that's caused a rift. I'm reaching. I don't know, but Watford are in a relegation battle. In a game they had to win or at least not lose, and they wandered around like it was a like a six-a-side tournament on a on a Spanish beach. Uh, and I'm, I'm just reaching for for reasons why, and just the whole body language. Everything was flat. Everything was quiet. Everything was it was it was just so low. Um, and disjointed and distracted, and I, I can't think of any other reason than for that. And if I feel like this, then how do other players whose careers depend on it? How do people at Watford whose careers depend on it? People who might have been affected by this thing? It's it really is the pits, and and that performance is the is the perfect full stop to a really really grim two days, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
0: You're listening to From the Rookery End. But Jason, there was a game of football, um, that we've all sat and watched, uh, and the, the ramifications, what Mike's talked about, could easily be there. But, but they went into that game, uh, without those players and they tried to play a game of football. How did they try and play that game of football? Was there something different that they tried since Burnley? Well, they, they sort of went back to the, what you'd call the
2: standard formation, the expected starting 11, I guess, with were coming back in, mixed centre-backs up again, went for the Dawson-Cathcart partnership this time at the back. In terms of the way we played, like Mike said before we got what we expected from Southampton, they're very good away from home. They put teams under pressure, they like to press, um, and we didn't deal with it. We, we just didn't seem to cope. The, the I think the traditional way to try and cope with the press is just to get the ball out wide and then sort of move it up the channels, get the bodies out there. We didn't. At times, we just sort of lumped it up the middle, either to Troy or just into the middle of the park to see if we could get the second ball. There were times where we did try and get it wide. And when we got it wide, it was almost predictable. I think at one point I saw Kiko Firmino pointing at Saar, almost like, look, run, run up there, mate, because that's where I'm going to stick the ball. And there was a lot of that just trying to hit it, hit and hope over the top for Saar to run onto. They were already wise to that. He's up against Bertrand, who's no slouch. It was all, yeah, very predictable, not working. And we just didn't seem to change that approach. The only positive, I think, from me in the first half was when Pereira moved over to the right-hand side and got involved on the same side as Saar, had the ball at his feet and actually had someone to give the ball to. And that that worked quite well, but we just didn't do it enough. It was it was the only positive from that first half. But for some reason, we tried it two or three times. And, and the rest of the time, it was lots of either yeah, hit and hopes from the full-backs or from the centre-backs. The odd dink over the top from Decoray, almost sort of John Eustace style, to try, yeah, to, to hope true, that yeah. someone... True, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to hope that someone would be able to sort of sort of run onto it. Dini, okay, he gave the uh, the big guys at the back, was it uh, Bednarak and Vestergaard... Tried to give them a battle, but again, a lot of the time he was sort of outbound himself. Festegard can can deal with that all day long, I think, and and it was just a struggle.
1: And the, the other thing, you know, to, to go on from the point I made, the intensity was completely lacking. I think defensively, you've you talked about us struggling to, you know, we played almost exclu- the, the the possession stats were quite even in the first half, but the game was almost exclusively played in in Watford's half. Such was their inability to to break out, but. There wasn't any intensity in the defence. I mean, you talk about you, Ings' goal was almost took place in in slow motion, didn't he? Sort of lolloped forward a couple of paces, plonked it in the in the bottom right hand corner. Well, there was took, no, he, so much space. Yeah, I,
2: my, my thoughts about that. He skipped past Cathcart too easy. I think Dawson hadn't anticipated that. There was a big gap between Dawson and Messina, and I don't. I, I'm not sure if that was Messina out of position or just the fact that Dawson seemed to be watching. Then by the time Ings has got away from Kafka, he's almost sort of vertically level with him, so there's that big gap there. Yeah. And he's left having to lunge to try and get it. And you can't give Ings that space. Ings is such a good natural finisher. He's found the corner easily. Foster's not expecting it either. No. And just sort of watched it into the bottom corner. It, it just
1: yeah, horrible goal to concede. Yeah, and it just it just summed up that I think that goal summed up the summed up the first half perfectly, completely listless. And and Geordie made the point on our WhatsApp group. We are wasting since we've come back from the restart, we have wasted every single first half we've, mm. we've played in. Now, that's not exclusive to Watford. Anyone who's watched any Sky Sports or BT Sports will have heard the commentator say, well, it's not many goals in the first half, is there? And club teams are, are struggling to, to get going and get motoring in these first halves. And yes, the, you know, I've said it before, there are mitigating factors. And being in the ground again today is deathly quiet. It is weird. It's odd. It's peculiar. But when you're, the, what, you need, what you expect... Is that when you're fighting for your life, you find ways? And I think some of the Watford players said, "Oh, we've got little ways we're going to fire each other up." For the Leicester game, they came out in dribs and drabs. They didn't even walk out together. Yeah, yeah. And it's little things like that. We we said pre in in, in the break, Nigel Pearson's going to use this to bring this team together to get them to understand what they need to do. Treat it as a mini lead. Come out of the traps quickly. They've done the exact opposite. They yeah. look less than the sum of their some of their parts. And I think that first half um, was a was was the perfect example of exactly what we didn't want.
0: Well, yeah, we've talked about, you know, before that that playoff final uh, in Cardiff and the way that that team was in the tunnel as they came out. I know it's not the same, but the fact they come out in dribs and drabs, just... just you, 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 It's like, well, that's just one thing. You're not, you're not coming out as a unit. Yeah. In a straight line.
1: Yeah, it's a little thing.
0: Little, little thing.
2: thing. Just, just going back to the goals. I think the most annoying thing about that for me was it came not long after we did actually have a chance. Yeah. Our first little yeah. moment of positivity down that right and side, where Saar did get behind. Yeah. Didn't quite get the, the cross right, as often happens with Saar. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe went too too late, and the, the guys had already made their runs in the box. Um, and, but at that point, you're thinking, oh, right, okay, yeah. right, we've, we've got him behind. Let's build on that. A yeah. couple of minutes later, we're 1 0 down.
1: Yeah, because they, they showed signs of, there were the briefest of brief flickers of how they were, of working out how to unlock Saar down that right side. Get Bertrand to commit, boom. Tensar on his way and it happened a couple of times and that time he did get him behind. I was half off my seat. All he had to do was square it and, he, and he, um, he took that split second too long, didn't he? Decided to wait, look up, which I've asked him to do on this podcast before. <laughs> so go on, if you've got time to look up and, and he did that and so if you are listening to the podcast, thanks for taking my advice. Never do that again. <laughs> um, and yeah, they squandered that, that, that opportunity. So there were that little glimpses but so, so fleeting. So, so fleeting in that in that first half. It was... It was quite extraordinary to watch it unfold. The, the body language, everything about it was, you couldn't have designed a worse 45 minutes in every regard. It was it was complete
0: in its awfulness. Second half though, Jason, you know, you, we, we expect a, a rocket from Nigel and we suspect a response. And you could say that the 15 minutes after the second half, it was like, right. That's amazing, lads. That's what you should have been trying to do after you went 1-0 down. In fact, a little bit before that. A little bit of fight, a little bit of quickness, just do better. And it started to fall a bit more, but not perfectly, into place.
2: Yeah, it was better. We were we were sort of stringing some passes together, playing better football. It wasn't quite Burnley second half, or start of the second half, but it was, but it was better. Uh, what was similar to Burnley is that we were winning a lot of set pieces and in the main making a lot of those. And the, the best chances again, seem to come from set pieces, either direct or from second phase. Um, I think Hughes had a couple of goes from outside the box, which as we were told during the game, we've not scored from outside the box this season. I'm <laughs> not actually sure why he bothered, but <laughs> you
1: never know. Well, DCW made the point we haven't scored many inside. The box either, so <laughs> exactly. We're, we're what
2: third lowest scorers in the, in the division, I think. Um, so, yeah, it, it was sort of the encouraging signs. And when you're still only 1-0 down, then you, okay, the, the hope is still there. But...
0: The hope <laughs> was taken away by a terrible, terrible distribution from Ben Foster, which which had been almost seen minutes beforehand. Yeah,
1: I mean, anyone that listens to the podcast will know I've been impressed with Ben Foster this year. Well, I think everyone has. It's no, it's no secret he's been great for us but he did, he so the 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 goal came from a mistake if if you haven't seen it uh, then he threw it out In, Ings it was far too short Ings intercepted it um galloped on and slotted it home he'd done exactly the same thing uh, I'm not quite sure how um how, how 5 minutes maybe before 10 minutes before when he tried to throw it out to Adam Messina on the on the left-hand side undercooked it Messina left nowhere near it and uh, you know there's a warning sign there don't do that again because it's it's a dangerous situation. Um, he did it again, and the game was done there and then in in that minute. And it's 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 a mistake, and you have to give Ben Frost a little bit of latitude because we've said ad nauseum on the pod. He's kept us in more games than than we probably care to to mention, and we would have it be in a much worse state if it wasn't for him. So I'm not going to be too critical. It was a howling error. It just compounded the, the complete ineptitude. Really, of what of what followed afterwards, it, it was an encouraging ten fifteen minutes. But what followed was just um, a baffling array of dismal park football. Really, I, I, I just found the whole thing dumbfounding. I I, I just watched a gog. Now, what I will say, actually, before I forget, because in all this uh, ranting, we'll uh, we'll kick off a Watford. Again, I, I haven't seen this back, but I do want to know what VAR is doing for 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 these penalty shouts. So, Saar on, I can't remember if it was before or after his chance in the first half. Bertrand had his shirt in both hands. He had a big chunk of it. I was sat in the Sir Elton John stand. I don't know how far that is. On the halfway line. He's pulling him. Yeah. He's pulling him yeah, back. Yeah. DCW on the WhatsApp group made the point, was he impeded? Well, he had his shirt. So you you take that as a penalty. If it's in, that's in the middle of the park. That is a free kick and probably a booking. All, all day long so why that hasn't looked at is well it's presumably it's looked at uh, or maybe the the um, well did
0: sound sky that it, ha, it it had been yeah, looked well, at they It hadn't all, been they stopped, stopped and paused and yeah. you know said we're looking for the review and all that stuff but it had been looked at and and nothing was called back so what and I watched earlier on before before I
1: left I watched um Arsenal against Sheffield United and Arsenal got a penalty and that classic thing all oh, he didn't foul him but there's contact so he's gone down. Um, so therefore, it's a penalty. You can't get much clearer than you're seeing a hand with a bright yellow shirt clutching it. It's a penalty. It just—it's a penalty. And then in the second half, um, Craig Dawson, both hands. Oh, um, that was
0: worth one. Pulled to the ground, yeah.
1: and again in the middle of the park, it's a yellow card and a free kick. Not a question, not a debate. It just is. So. What on earth is going on there? Is is beyond me. I am not. I am not going to use it as an excuse, but it does, does sort of, it does sort of speak to how dispiriting a lot of football has been this year. The whole, you know, not only have we got no crowds, we've got VAR again, um not being not being fit for purpose, and again not coming to to Watford's benefit. If you look, you know, we probably wouldn't have gone on to win the game, but it's just you just sit there and think, well, what's the actual point if these aren't going to get going to get pulled up? And then we did get back into the game through an own goal, two one, and you think right, Watford lads you've been given you've been gifted this. it was a lovely cross in from from Jair pedro he 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 got the ball in um and it he asked the question devilishly difficult to to deal with nine times out of ten that's always probably going to be a goal one way or the other, but then Within minutes, it's it's gone
0: again. Well, they say there was the, the substitutions three at once. Holabas, Jao uh, Pedro, and Welbeck came on in about the seventy third, seventy fourth minute. Uh, Pereira straight swap with Jao Pedro. Welbeck on for Hughes, which you would say, hey, that's uh, trying to you know go a bit further, be, be a bit more attacking. Uh, and Messina for Holabas was a, a straight swap. And again, we saw late on, a few minutes after that, Passetto um, came on for, for Mina. um sort of a, a straight swap. But you you would think. I um, think had a slightly more attacking mind, but maybe not necessarily with Flamina. Those subs, Jason, well, are they the subs you, you would have made? Can you see maybe other substitutions maybe have made if a certain three players were, were part of the conversation?
2: Oh, a difficult one, because at that time, I, I probably, like Mike, was feeling a bit low and thought the game had gone. Um, and like you said, a bit more positive, we, we had a bit of a, a rant after the Burnley game about the substitutions that they were that were made because they they weren't game changing in any way shape or form it was just like for like so yeah you can see the different types of players coming on Hughes let's say going off Welbeck coming on give something more in the uh in the final third um rather than someone who just sort of put in a shift someone that might be able to unlock the the defense an unknown quantity in Pedro as well mm. you don't know what you're gonna get from him I'm um, not sure, I think was it Holobas that put the cross in for the was it? goal I'd, rather than Pedro? I'd, I'd it was a good cross, he was, it was a got a good goal ball from in. it, yeah. And it was, after all those sort of, we talked about where we did get the ball wide and did get Sarin, we didn't get any sort of decent final balls in, so to get a, a final, a decent final ball in the box, Look at the difference it makes. Easy mistake um,
1: mate. an angry thirty-five-year-old yeah. <laughs> yeah, through the red mist. Yeah. It was quite yeah. hard. I oh, say thirty-six, and it wasn't his birthday the other day. Yeah, well, Jose, yeah. that's yeah. what that's what I've done it. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: And he and he didn't have a party, as far as we know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a the difference. Well, do,
0: do fair. Who who would he invited?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you would expect <laughs> his
0: holobats. His friends would have come round, <laughs> uh, I, and I, I, he would have gone. Thank you for coming, and then just sort of sulking in the <laughs> corner. But if you look at that, that yeah, Mike. None of those I would have expected Queen to come on, right? I wouldn't have expected Chalabar to come on for any of those. The only one, particularly Hughes, they might have swapped with him, but it wasn't a straight swap. You could have put Grey on instead of Welbeck, but I wouldn't have done. I would have put Welbeck on ahead of Grey, especially after the last couple of performances. So we didn't particularly feel like we missed out. We might have missed out on the fifth substitute if they had been an option. You never know. No, I don't, I don't think we missed out from, from a personnel point of view.
1: Like I said, I'm not going to dwell on it anymore. I think that's a psychological issue that has gone deep. And I don't think if had we had any of those three available today, would would they have made any difference? Watford have got a good squad. They have a deep squad and we're able to bring decent players on. Everyone we mentioned there coming on as a substitute has either got hope and promise or is, is established and, and, and experienced. So... I don't, you know, them not being in the squad in, didn't, from a f- football point of view didn't have an impact, I don't think. My my question, perhaps for you, Jace, is whether whether I am over the top about how poor that first half was. I was surprised he didn't make changes at, at half-time. I mean, you know, perhaps we've answered our question because the first 10-15 minutes was was decent and he's probably gone out and said, right, you've got 10-15 minutes to... To make up for it, but uh, such such as th- the fact that it was happened at Leicester, it happened against Burnley and now it 's happened again i 'm just surprised he didn 't I mean we haven 't got any time to waste. you know we might be out of road now we might have we might have blown it already, but uh, when you 've got forty five minutes left to potentially save your season i, would, I was I was surprised that he didn 't make a change at half time i
2: wonder I wonder if the um, the fact that we got another six days until mm. the next game was coming to his thinking, perhaps yeah. if we had a game midweek. He might have made the changes, but like you say, given that we've got, uh, almost a week to the next game, you're right. He's probably then gone. Right. Go out there. Show me. Yeah. Yeah. Show me something this half. You, yeah, you guys have got us into this mess. Get out there and sort it out. You, yeah, they are that, that team. We said that there weren't any surprises. They probably are the best 11 players or fit players at the club at the moment. They're the ones that should be able to put in a performance
1: to get us out of trouble. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do. I'll give you a positive. I thought Kiko played well again.
0: Oh, uh, you know, see, so right. Normally, that's the question I have to. I have to ask it. I have to find. Come on, then. So, what's the positive? And you know what? I didn't want to ask it. I wasn't in the mood to ask it. It wasn't. But Mike, Mike Parkin, after the way you start this podcast, Self come pres- on,
1: it's self-preservation. I thought Kiko was played well. I thought he he looks organised. His positional sense seems to be. Good. He's solid in that position, and he gets forward well. And he tries to unlock things. He tries to make things happen. I think he's he's a he's a really important player for us. And I think he's probably one who can can hold his head um, hold his head high after that uh, that absolute horror show because the rest of them. Not not for me jeff um but yeah I, I, he he sort of stuck his head above the parapet more more than others, so I think he can he can sleep soundly tonight. I think the rest of them need to have a uh, a long hard look at themselves and while we're going in on on Ben Foster, I'd be interested, in your chap's take on the on the free kick i mean we as soon as that free kick's given, you know who's going to step up. you know you know we said on the WhatsApp group it's like a penalty for him, such as his ability for it we've seen it before first hand. But it didn't look to me that it was in the corner. Um, he got it up and down well, um, which is obviously difficult to defend. But knowing what's coming, it doesn't necessarily make it easy to defend. But again, it was just sort of like, like Danny Ings was waved through to, to shoot for, for his first.
2: I don't think Foster likes free kicks. I don't think he likes long shots. In the first half... I,
0: Jason, I know he doesn't. <laughs> in the first it happens half, happens too often.
2: Redmond had a go from a free kick about forty yards out. That normally you'd think, "What are you doing?" Yeah. But yeah. knowing that it's Fozzie in goal, and we love Fozzie, but yeah. knowing it's him in goal, I, I think that's why they they went for it. And perhaps that's why Danny Ings was happy to have a shot for his first go goal, goal from outside the eighteen yard box because perhaps I, I don't know what it is. Is he? Is he? Is it another sort of Scott Scott Loach situation? Doesn't yeah. like long shots. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, they always say when when they're central. They say it's it's quite hard to, to take those for the taker. And when it's so close to the edge of the box, they say it's really hard to get it up and down. And I think someone said, I can't remember seeing it, but someone said the wall did jump and he still managed to get it up and down. So that is still a very, very good free kick and a very, very difficult one to save. But like you say, he's the positioning, right? And Foster did seem to be quite a way over to one side of his goal.
1: And I think talking about that, that preparation and obviously having having a dig, seeing long shots as a as a weakness is, is fine. You expect the opposition to do their scouting, but uh, Danny Ings was apparently on the TV afterwards saying that they knew kind of what was going to happen. They knew what areas they were going to see the ball in. They knew what areas they were going to be able to exploit. And for the fact that he was able to say that so openly – yeah, we knew what Watford were going to do, and you know the game has played out perfectly into their hands. They've won an absolute canter is is really disappointing, and it just does go back um, to are we in a relegation battle? Uh, yeah, are we in one that we care about? I don't know. I I found that
2: comment really really hard to swallow as well. Mm. The fact that they knew that they were going to get the ball in and space in the in the number ten area because the way we defend. In a, we, OK, we press high, but then when the ball's in midfield, we tend to drop back quite quickly to mm. fill in the spaces and fill in the gaps. And you've got the back four and you've got Kapu who sits deep and Hughes would be dropping deep as well. And we should have players there. And if you look at when um, when he takes the shot, when Ings takes a the shot, there's something like six or seven players around him. And 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 we still given them all that space to get the shot away and get the goal.
0: Well, I'd like to thank Danny Ings because if uh, Watford haven't and aren't aware that that is a, a weakness for them, maybe it's something they can work on in the next six days.
2: A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the Rookery end.
0: Thank you very much for listening to From the Rookery End. Remember, you can get a beautiful 40% discount uh, by subscribing to The Athletic. Uh, All you have to do is go to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend. Uh, And uh, Adam has been writing many, many pieces this week, which you can check out. But also, there was a fantastic article today that was put up by Carl Anker, who we had on the podcast this week, Ryan Connor and Roisin Thomas, about why football crowds are so white. Uh, it's written from their point of view. It's written from them speaking to many, many people. And it really is brilliant because it goes back historically, not just things that have happened in the last few weeks. Check that out on The Athletic. And with that 40% discount, it only costs you two ninety nine a month or 10 a day. Uh, We will have Adam on a special midweek podcast where we'll look back on the last few games, see what he's been up to, and also preview the Chelsea game. That'll be out in the middle of the week. But Watford might have a few days, some things to work on, some some helpful tips from Danny Ings to maybe take on board. (laughs) What is it? And we've had lots of questions from people via Twitter. Yeah, they've asked us lots of questions. Many of them quite hard hitting. If GT was managing now, what would he do with Grain and Queener? Well, does the squad of players have the fight for the relegation battle? I would say no, comes from Harry. A really important question. How many coats of primer should you put on a freshly plastered wall before the top coat? That came from Chris Bone. Chris, don't ask us. Probably quite a few, because by the,
1: what we've seen today, there's going to be a lot of people punching a lot of walls <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. So, Chris, get as much
0: primer on there as you possibly can. Let it dry before you punch it. Ivan Lehane, surely it's time to drop some players and freshen it up. We play well between half-time and the second water break, and that's it. What's the worst that can happen by freshening the team up? Could we freshen the team up? Do we have the players to freshen the team up? Not just the fitness, Jason, but do we have the ability to do that with their their abilities? I don't know that team. That team kind of picks itself.
2: Who would you who would you look to bring in? Is it is it like the way we start the Burnley game? Is it Cleverly? Is he good enough to oust the the midfield? Maybe one or two. I thought in that first half when we were poor. The midfield did give the ball away more than more than we would have liked. Mike said about Kiko playing well, I thought Messina had a decent effort today as well. I don't think I'd, I'd take them out. The centre-backs, you feel like you're just rotating them. He's doing that already and it doesn't seem to make much difference. Dawson had a great game last Saturday. Not so good today. A few air shots in there um, today. A few mistakes that he got away with. Cathcart at fault for that first goal. Where do you change it? I mean Dean I mean do you take do you take off? What difference does that make?
0: My big question is actually is it is it is it taking off and changing Deanny, being the man up front, and hey, Pedro let's start him on the left rather than anybody else we have that choice perhaps he's he's um him or Holly Bass, both 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 pretty decent <laughs> <laughs> you know perhaps but it's
1: very very difficult to 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 say that pedro's going to be the answer when we haven't seen him play any premier league minutes and other, that's why other. mike the but, one who
0: doesn't play is always the answer but let me look <laughs> I, I
1: think this is i think this is simple i think we're beyond tinkering now we're beyond personnel we're beyond even formation, I mean, that's tactics are important. Formation is important, personally. You can't switch a player around and that's going to make a difference now. This is now a team that is demonstrably worse than the sum of its parts. It's a team in name only. It is completely dysfunctional. And this week has come at a very, very good time. Because all of them, and I do mean all of them, need to sit down individually as a group and, and work out what the hell they're going to do together to turn this around. Because performances like that on the back of situations that have happened this week aren't good enough from a professional point of view. You know, we're football supporters. We will be there next year, whether they're in the Championship, whether they're in League One the year after that, whether they're in the Bees or Homes League in 10 years' time. It doesn't matter to us. We'll be there. We'll still be talking about it. We'll still love Watford Football Club. They need to have the professional pride to recognise and see what's happening And to do something about it, there needs to be a lot of soul searching and they need to dig deep and quickly and work out if they're going to do it or not. If you had to ask me today, sat there in the stadium, I was desolate, disconsolate. And I said, this team is done. They are over. They're not standing shoulder to shoulder. They're not that buccaneering side that we've seen so much that we've enjoyed over the last five years. They're not the team that even dug deep for the last couple of minutes against Leicester. They are a disparate band. Of what looked like disinterested, disenfranchised, demotivated players who just couldn 't wait to get home uh, I know that 's not the case. I know when they step over the white line, they want to do well, but they 've got to do they 've got to do better, and they have now got a week, six days, whatever it is to work out how they 're going to do that, and they need to work that out together, or we 're dead that's that's the that 's the long and the short of it that was appalling today. What happened off the pitch was appalling as well. The reaction to it was was dismal. They've let us all down. Um They've let Arlo down. They've let my mum down. And no one does that and gets away. <laughs> we will stick with them. We will stick with them. And Arlo, mum, I know you're listening. Stick with us. We'll be fine. We'll get through it. You know, we're made of stern stuff. I love how much you care. Uh, and it means a lot to me. But this team needs to be as tough as us they need to be as they need to show some fortitude and i think it was harry who raised the question have they got the guts we're going to find out and if they haven't then that's not on us as football supporters we can't do anything we we, we give everything we've got that's not on us it's on them now uh, the likelihood is we'll get relegated now i would say i think we've got three winnable games if we win those three we we still might go down but, you know i think the likelihood from what i've seen today the body language the performance um, the repeated errors that we're seeing, uh, I would say that that team is most likely to get relegated. They might not. There's still a chance. We could still pull off a shock. The other teams are probably. The other podcasts sound exactly as, as disconsolate as we are. I think the worry I've got is that the 48 hours, um, the issues, the cracks, and they're on. The, they're evident on the pitch. Uh, so they've got they've got a couple of days now to decide how this story ends. It's uh, very much over to them. Uh, I think his supporters, a lot of us have now resigned to thinking, well, they haven't really shown anything since they came back. It shows they've got the, the fortitude, the will, the, the the setup, And, you know, you've got to ask questions of Nigel Pearson and Craig Shakespeare. We've been very effusive. We've been very positive about them and their impact since they came in. They have turned things around. They've got us in with a chance, which we didn't have when they when they came in. But that's one win in 10 now. And that was a, a one-off against Liverpool, um, which was a 99 out of 100 times we we lose that game. We didn't, so it is 1 in 10. But 1 in 10, nowhere near good enough. And those before, they haven't been close, really. They haven't been, you know, Villa threw it away, Everton threw it away. Um, abject on Thursday, abject again today. So it's up to them. They've got to decide how this story ends. And they need to lock themselves away. They need to sit at home tonight, watch the video again. Work out whether they're going to stand shoulder to shoulder. And don't let us down again like that, please. Let's not go out with a whimper. If we get relegated, if we get relegated. Fine, we'll be back in August whenever it is. But that's not good enough. Don't let us down. Don't let yourself down. That's the big question. Are they willing to sacrifice their professional pride or are, they, or are they going to go out with them and giving it everything they've got and, and time will tell. I think tinkering isn't going to stop anything now. We're well past that. We've had chance after chance, week after week we've said, if we can just get something there, if we just don't lose there, if we can just nick something there, if they lose here, you know, Villa losing, Brighton winning, it doesn't matter anymore when we are so poor and it's
0: up to them. We are not a poor squad, we're a poor team and that needs to change. We'll be back with some more podcasts, hopefully a little bit more sunshiny. (laughs) <laughs> um, thank you very much, Jason.
2: Thank you. I'm off to watch West Ham and Bournemouth from behind my sofa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mike. No worries. And uh, not just Mum and I, but stick with it. You know, this is, you've got to have the dark days to, to appreciate the good. This is particularly bleak. It feels rubbish. We'll, let's stick together as, as supporters, at least. Try and uh, squeeze
0: some enjoyment out the remainder of this uh, season. Come on, you golden boys. Please, come on, you horns. He was disappointed after that game, but we should leave this podcast for a special message from Arlo it was in today's program but this is eight-year-old Arlo and his message for the Watford players
2: dear lads I know this season hasn't always been great but think about when we beat Liverpool how did you feel before and after the game at the start you might have been nervous but after, you'll have been pumped. Try and remember that feeling
0: for your next game.
2: Feel positive and always stick with it. Whether you win, lose or draw, never give up. Don't doubt and always believe in yourself. Give it your best. I know you can do it. I'm proud of you. Come on you all.
0: Therefore, alright.